Well, hello, everyone, to another intro-less episode of the Mile High Hockey Podcast. Um, hey, Earl06, how do you grade the trade deadline today? <laughs> hey, Ryan Murphy, how do you grade the trade deadline today? <laughs> I want to go ahead and apologize right now for any thunderstorm sounds that come across during the show because apparently Earl's house is getting pooped on right now. Pretty much. I believe the weather is reflecting our impression of the trade deadline. <laughs> so just to recap, um, and I know that no one gives that much of a care about the last week's games. Colorado has gone one and four since we spoke last. Well, I guess it's one three and one in a because the Tampa game yeah. was in overtime. Uh, but they scored five goals in one of them, so that's a thing that happened. I missed it. I was watching a concert at the time. Mm-hmm. It was fun. And- Proceed to score zero the following game, so... Yes, they did, and everyone that watched it felt like they had made a big mistake. So, let's take a look back all the way through um, the Avalanche's uh, selling moves, since they have all these guys that are, you know, not on the right team right now and aren't super valuable, but you might be able to at least get some kind of help in the draft for them, right? Let's... Uh, Let's have a quick review at all the draft help we are going to have in 2017. And that's the list. None whatsoever. Cody McLeod, a couple, couple of weeks ago, and by a couple of weeks, I mean a month and a half ago, was flipped for AHLer Felix Gerard, and we all were pretty much like, yeah, okay, that's cool. It was cool. I'm, I'm a big fan of Gerard. I, you know, I, I hope they keep him on, so I'll, I'll give that a thumbs up. Joe Whitney has been traded for Brendan Ranford. That was a Who move cares? with, uh, with <laughs> the Arizona Coyotes because if anyone needs to be swapping assets, it's the two worst teams in the NHL. Mm-hmm. And I Cody- like this. Go ahead. The, um, Whitney was the Rampage captain. He'd kind of checked out lately. I mean, he's, he's top four in scoring, but still it just uh, – you know, he just—he wasn't bringing it any every night anymore. I think uh, had an idea that he was going to get traded, but um, you know, with Brandon Ranford, they get younger. They get a guy that can score almost as well, but also sort of underperforming this year. Um, and he's not five foot six, so that helps. <laughs> so that that might turn into a decent AHL vet to have down the road. Yeah, a guy can get, you know, what, 15, 20 games to look at and yeah. just, uh, you know, evaluate your options for this offseason because you will need more AHL depth. Always do. So uh, we also saw Cody Corbett flip to the Washington Capitals organization for goaltender Joe uh, Canada, Canada, something. Canada. Canada, okay. Um, yeah, that's one I really don't understand because um, yeah, they the Rampage really don't need a goalie right now. They've got, you know, they. I mean, I guess if one of the goalies gets hurt, they kind of need one. So they've got Spencer <laughs> Martin and um, Kent Simpson, who's on an AHL contract, but he's he's playing marginally better than Spencer Martin right now. Okay. And I would assume that Kent Simpson will go down to the uh, Colorado Eagles for their postseason. But maybe this guy, Kanata, is going to go down to the Eagles for now and then swap out with Simpson later on. I don't know. But it's 
sort of addressing the most peripheral needs you could actually identify in the whole organization. What are you talking about? You got to establish that winning culture, the ECHL, <laughs> so it can permeate itself up all the way to the big club. The Eagles never lose. They haven't lost since January. 15 right? in a row. They're like the bizarro avalanche farm system. Yeah. And strangely enough, they have no avalanche contracts there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure that's on purpose, too. <laughs> the deal we all kind of knew was going to happen, and we all kind of expected to suck a little bit, happened and sucked a lot. Jerome McGinla becomes a Los Angeles king for the rest of this season. Colorado retained the max amount of salary on that, which I think, you, Earl, you said that was about 600k or so? Just under? Yeah, just just under that. And in return, they get a conditional fourth. Not this year. What are those conditions? <laughs> it's, it's for next year. Um, yeah. And those conditions are him re-signing with the LA Kings, which uh, not super likely, or... Some kind of unknown yet playoff condition, all we know is that the people who have looked at it don't think it's attainable. I I think actually, again, re-signing with Los Angeles is not as um, far-fetched as everyone thinks. Huh. Yeah. Like, they don't quite get there this year, but they're going to be close enough to where he could be convinced to sign a pretty yeah. easy deal just to take one last run. Yeah, exactly. I mean, mm-hmm. if and it all depends on what he looks like over the next uh, month or so. But um, you know, I, I think you know, I think everyone looks at Iggy like, oh, it's great that we just got rid of him or whatever. I mean, yeah, he looked terrible with the Avs, but I, I think his speed meshes well with the the speed of the Kings. They kind of play at his speed. They can make right. up, you know, sort of apathy in the defensive zone. Uh, <laughs> well, they do have the defense to completely make up for any of his lack of ability. Yeah. And they, they get the puck up in a possession uh, in the offensive zone so often, so frequently, you know, per touch that that's where he's more effective is kind of in the half court situation. Yeah, exactly. And their big thing is they never score. So um, I actually think that they will be able to set him up and, and let him be successful. I mean, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he doubles his goal total uh, yeah for the rest of the season 20 games yeah so <clears throat> i i think he actually might look pretty effective and that will in turn make the abs look stupid for letting him go for nothing which this quite likely could be nothing this is this deal is a favor to jerome againla he's got uh clauses in his contract where he can pretty much determine where he's able to go and uh when that happens you Pretty much have your hands tied. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. You're not going to be able to get the kind of value you were hoping to get because teams that may want to pay more, again, they can just say, eh. Right. Yeah, I mean, we have no idea who might have been interested. I mean, I doubt teams, if you think about it, I doubt teams that, that weren't sort of in his favorable circle were the ones that were looking at him. Like, you know, you would imagine, like, maybe Pittsburgh would have taken him for very little um, I, I think Edmonton might have had some feelers out on him. Maybe Calgary again. You know, I, I, th- I think the teams that would have been interested in him are, are ones that, you know, he, he would have agreed to. So it's hard to say whether there was a better deal on the table 
Oh. I also think it's a good situation to win. I mean, the Kings are just one point out of the wild card right now, and St. Louis just traded one of their best defensemen, have already lost four straight. So, yes. I mean, they're coming up in a pretty good position, you know, in the Western Conference wild card, and that's a good enough veteran team to get it done. Yeah, and I think, I mean, they're battling Calgary for that last spot, and they they play them, I, I think that they, they play them four times for the rest of the season. They might have already done that recently, but they play mm-hmm. at least three more. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a good battle. Yeah, and one thing I overlooked, too, is he's playing for his old Calgary coach. Yeah. that's. Um, I mean, I think that's one of the huge reasons he wanted, you know, he was willing to waive his no trade to go there. Bitter beer face himself. Yep. But in, And I think that's also one of the reasons he might be interested in staying there for more than just the rest of this season. Yep. It's yeah, a, that was uh, not something I thought about upon uh, my initial reaction. Yeah. I mean, I, it really all – we're going to know probably within two or three games, you know, whether he's got it enough to hang with the Kings. And, I mean, it, they, they play a slow – you know, really grindy game, and I, I think that might really benefit what he's capable of right now. I have not yet looked to see if the Avalanche play the Kings again this season. They do not. All right. I don't have to suffer those consequences. Yeah. The inevitable hat trick. <laughs> and finally, a, a deal that got high marks all around for Colorado. Andreas Martinson is on his way to Montreal to join a bizarrely hulking up Habs fourth line um, in exchange for impending RFA Sven Andrighetto. Yeah, it I might, like it. It might be Andrighetto, but it doesn't matter. The name still sounds like pasta. <laughs> really bad street pasta. <laughs> so, um, coming into this deal, I knew next to nothing about Andrighetto, and what I know about him now is that he has more offensive upside than Andreas Martinson and has been up and down between Montreal and Hamilton and St. Yeah. John's, whichever, whichever affiliate it has been at the time. He's like a, I, I saw him a bunch with Hamilton and I watched the Habs occasionally. Um, <clears throat> he's, he's fast. Um, he's probably like an, a more offensive version of Nieto. So, huh. um, that, that's kind of where I'd peg him, but he's you know he's not very big. He's about five ten, maybe one eighty, something like that. Um, but you know he's got some speed, he's got some puck skills, um, and he's got some some scoring skills. Um, you know they they used him as a grinder as they they tend to do in Montreal. So he, you know I'm sure he'll go into the Avs top six right away. Yeah, even his defensive metrics are, you know, intriguing. He suppresses shots, you know, like uh, a good second liner. Suppress shots in general, so we'll see. Right. <laughs> see how that translates, but yeah. Um, Why not? No, but yeah, I mean, I, it, it's a good he's a good guy to look at. He's also a veteran of the the Ruin Noranda Husky. Um, just like several other of our prospects. You so know, I I saw that and I didn't even make that connection. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I was I was looking at what his junior numbers had been, and I saw that he had a a f- couple of fine overage seasons, and I was like, well, that doesn't mean anything. And I saw who it was with, but it didn't connect. <laughs> I definitely knew that and didn't realize. Yeah, that's funny. Same team. He's also 
Nantel. You know, yeah. He's three years younger than Martinson. He's, you know, got some untapped upside probably. I mean, with the Avalanche right now, you're right. I mean, he's probably a top six player, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think that's going to be his role you know, long term. But again, he's he's young and he's quick and he looks like he's the kind of player that Jared Bednar, you know, wants to be able to take advantage of going forward. So that's the question I was going to ask. Are we starting to identify the Jared Bednar type player? And is could that be any further from the Patrick Waugh type of player? (laughs) (laughs) I, I don't think that Bednar necessarily wants smaller guys, but it just he needs speed and. You know, I think speed trumps size. Mm-hmm. You know, I think ultimately you'd love to have guys that are six three and can skate like the wind, but you know, you you need the skating first. Yeah, right. The puck skills, the handling, the uh, ability to get through the zone. You know, yeah. <laughs> receive a breakout pass. Well, and it's not just puck skills; it's stick skills. It's you know, his system is really predicated on getting sticks in lanes steals takeaways you know really being aggressive on taking the puck away so um you know a guy the big, like that, slow lumbering dudes aren't very good at that yeah and it's just i i liked martinson a lot but it, it, he would just disappear for so long and and you'd see him once in a while he'd have a great game where he's engaged he's quick he's hitting people getting shots on net and and it's kind of like grigorenko you're like you know if this dude could do this every game you know, he'd be a worthwhile member of our team, but, you know, it just doesn't work out like that. Guys, I forgot Martinson was on the team for, like, the past month. <laughs> he had a really good game. I don't know. It was, like, two or three games ago. Okay, maybe the one, but I just didn't he has expect, really disappeared. I just didn't expect to see him go anywhere because, like, I didn't expect that any team in 2017 would fall into the we've got to get bigger right now trap. Oh, Montreal did. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna be looking at a fourth line there with Steve Ott and Andreas Martinson, and who else do you think? Some poor soul. Yeah. Who has to do all the puck carrying on that line? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's just, uh, it's it's, well, it's really weird that someone would go, and it, it's weird that you know they'd switch up a coach and immediately start making changes like that, and like. Yeah, I mean, we know that, that Julian is, is a big fan of, you know, kind of big, lumbering, grindy game. So maybe that's part of it. But it's just I can't see him identifying guys like Steve Ott and Andreas Martinson saying, yeah, yeah, get that guy. <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, he's, he's pretty a good. Puck possession guy. And I just, you know, I don't see Ott and Martinson as big time puck possession guys. I mean, yeah, they'll they'll go out and knock some heads around, but. Yeah, he's always been a, a coach who's been about like having layered defense and yeah. not, not chase past the puck to hit a person, which is what yeah. Ott and Martin Simbel do. One of them obviously being a lot scummier about it than the other. Uh-huh. Uh, Mr. Fish on our Twitter feed, you know, right after that, you know, made the bold claim that Montreal's suiting up one first line and three fourth lines. Yeah. <laughs> bold strategy, Cotton. <laughs> Yeah, I think it ain't too far from the truth. Uh, I mean, they're just they're 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 trying to redo their team in the middle of the season, and I you know I I don't know what they would have done if this had happened in the off season. It would it'd be more interesting to see sort of compare the moves they made today to what they end up doing in the off season. Mm-hmm. 
either way, I mean, that's probably a plus one for the Avalanche. I mean, a lot of people pointed out that, you know, Ghetto, as I probably will end up calling him, is uh, he, he was waived. I mean, they could have picked him up for free, but at least this way they clear the roster spot. They could have picked him up for free in October. Yeah. Right. I mean, if if you want to add a waiver claim in October, then, I mean, it's got to be somebody that you know is going to help your team right now and not a tweener. If you pick up a guy or like else. that in October, we're going, yeah, okay, cool, but now there's even more of a logjam down there of guys who aren't that good. Turns into Andrew Bodnarchuk, you know, where he's stuck on your team the whole year. And that's honestly, I I wouldn't be surprised if if Sackick's still around. If that's a strategy that he doesn't employ next fall, is you, you start out with a roster that you probably know that you're going to end up sending some some kids down, and just you know really hit the waiver wire hard in the first month of the season. Um, you know, if you can get some Matt Nieto's and, and Mark Barbario's instead of signing garbage in the off season, you know, garbage free agents, I, you know, that, that could be, you know, sort of a an inefficiency in the market. It could be, but they've also shown that he likes to use PTOs on guys who have like unsustainably decent starts of the year and then fall away. Hey, what are you going to talk about? I, mean, I thought we we're uh, trading Renee Bork once he got good enough. Yeah. When's that going to happen? That, I think his, that I never think makes his sense head, to me. I, I think he stopped scoring too long ago and his head wasn't right enough. Mm-hmm. That injury definitely was very poor timing for the Avalanche. Yeah, yeah. that injury was what doomed it. I mean, like, it's you don't know what, what's coming your way if you make that deal. And, I mean... The, that's one of the things where the, the people who are... I mean, obviously this, this avalanche deadline is going to be more defined by the moves that they didn't make than the ones that they did. Um, but I just I don't understand the ire specifically about Bork and Mitchell not getting dealt. Because Mitchell it, is not getting dealt. Because anyone who takes those guys on, is you're going to look at them and think they're crazy. I don't know. I think Mitchell for like a conditional 2019 7th or something could have worked. Anything. Nominal pick. Yeah. If you can trade like Jerko and Ott, you can you can trade John Mitchell. Jerko's right. much I younger. Mean, and it's Jerko, by the way, I think. Uh, he's much younger than Ott. I like Jerko. And, uh, <laughs> and Actually. He, I mean, he, so Jerko's a, he's not a young guy. He's 24. I mean, you're approaching young Tyler Bozak territory if you call him young, but he's not... And it's, he's not thirty, and yeah. uh, and Steve Ott, you you don't bring on Steve Ott to play good hockey. <laughs> Let's. Yeah, but I'm saying it just like if you want someone for a very specific role, and if I mean that's what you would trade John Mitchell for is you would trade him to somebody who says I need someone with a little bit of experience, I need someone that can win a face off, and kill a penalty here and there, and that's it. You know, you're not going to get him for his scoring, and, and you're not going to re-sign him. So, and, and you know what? One team that might have fit pretty well with Edmonton, maybe. Huh. But my, my mind was Toronto. Yeah. Because they they've had Ben Smith stuck on their fourth line all year. But they yeah. got Brian Boyle, and he's way better. Exactly. 
Like that hey, speaking of uh, bottom line centers, you could probably take a face off and whatnot. The Avs just recalled uh, JT Comfer right now. Did they? Nice. Nice. Yes. Breaking news. That's <laughs> Youth it? movement. That's it. So, uh, yeah. He's joining the team in Ottawa. Good. We will get to um, what the Avalanche should do from here um, in a future segment. But I'm, I'm, I'm glad that news is actually going to break during the podcast for once. I love breaking news. Um, and sometimes breaking the news. <laughs> oh, I guess sometimes breaking my computer because of the news. I guess the conference call is on now. Joe's on the conference call? I guess so, because apparently... They're yeah, we're getting quotes. At, yeah, they're asking questions. And I guess AJ's asking good questions, which we would expect. Good. Thank you, AJ. I, I, he was... He he and I were both really snapper all last night. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I'm with you, Earl. I think uh, Mitchell could have gone for something. Somebody needs at least a spare center. That, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, mean, don't even you don't have to start. Hate, yeah, for all we hate about John Mitchell, he can win a faceoff. I mean, he might he might bring the puck into the offensive zone and lose it every time, but he gets it into the zone. Right. Which uh, is a skill. <laughs> yeah. And then it dies on a stick, which is also exactly. a skill, as far as I'm concerned. But if you have good puck retrievers, once he turns it over, they might get it back. So that's that's useful in a really dumb way. <laughs> so, uh, no, I don't, I, I, I have all season long I've said that anybody who thought John Mitchell was moving is crazy. He would have to be part of a bigger deal, and there wasn't a bigger deal to be had. Perhaps I I don't know I, I, I see him as having a, a a dependable skill that was marketable, uh, but there there might not have been a market for it, and so you know shit out of luck. And yep. Randy Borg's fall off and his recent injury probably took him off the market as well. Yeah, I mean I think if his concussion if that had happened you know a, a month prior and he gotten over it three weeks ago. There, there probably would have been some interest, probably from the Habs. So, who does that leave that you guys are perplexed that they were not moved? Uh, top of my list was always Blake Como. Uh, I know he's got another year left on his contract, but it's not a prohibitive number, and I think he could have been useful to a lot of teams for a year and a half. I don't think uh, they a single effort to try and trade him. Right, it doesn't seem like it. That name just never even came up in conversation. And he's a type of player that could have been useful to a playoff team. Absolutely, and I uh, explained my reasoning for, for such in my middle-of-the-night r- ranting last night um, <laughs> that I am sometimes prone to do. I expected Como to be able to, with retained salary, because he probably makes a little bit too much for what his production has been this year, um, I I don't know. Could, how, the Avalanche, the have, Avalanche would have had no time retaining that salary next year. Take 50% of it. They'll have no trouble squeezing yeah. 1.2 under the cap. I'm just trying to yeah. think, would, would they have had this retained salary spot? It would have, uh, to yeah. have been no retained salary this season, I think. Well, I, well why are we doing that? Right? Right? You, you either retain it for every year or you don't retain mm. it all. Um 
my, I always looked at Como as, as if they're smart, they're looking at it as money in the bank for next trade deadline. Yeah. Because you, you mentioned only that retain, last week. That makes sense. You can only retain two salary at a time, right? Is that the way it works? Right. So they're already you, retaining so, on Cody McLeod. You can right. retain three. You can retain three. Yeah. Yeah. What I think it was two. I don't know. Who cares? So this the abil- ability was definitely there then, and Como should not be on this team. He should have been moved for half his salary and like a third. Yes. So we'd have the privilege of watching AJ Greer for the rest of the year instead of Blake Como. The big one for me was Tootin. I, I can't believe they didn't trade him. And That's the, another one. Yeah, and, and Portsline was, was rumoring around last night that he might move last night, and then we stayed yeah. up real late and never heard another word. That's that's really weird. I mean, that that's that's why when it came down that he didn't get traded today, I, I really was like, this is unbelievable. I mean, I really thought he was going to go to the rags. They ended up with the Brendan, Brendan Smith. Smith from – from the Red Wings, which good on them. That's probably probably a better move. But um, you know, it, for for twenty games plus playoffs, perhaps of Feder Tootin. I mean, he's he's a perfect seventh guy to have. I don't, you know, for for teams that said they were looking for defense, I can't imagine how they didn't come to a deal with the Avs on that. Yeah, you, you think he over asked? Maybe, but I hope that that at that point he doesn't like just like. Refused to drop his price at eleven forty-five today. I mean, what in the world? Yeah, I, yeah, I don't see how you can sign him to a one-year deal and not be able to get rid of him at the deadline. That makes no sense. It's poor asset management. That's it's dumb. It's like as soon as you sign him to that, you're saying, "All right, at the deadline, you're probably out of here." Yeah, I mean that. That's part of why we championed that move on this show. It was yeah. like, "Hey, he's he's not a terrible defenseman." And uh, by the end of the year, if the ads are out of it, he's a perfect rental. He's a you know he's a last year's Maple Leaf signing. Mm-hmm. Who were they just rack up picks? Yeah, I mean we saw the flurry you know, defense one year round towards the end of the day, and it makes zero sense that that Tootin wasn't one of them. If you move him for a sixth, that becomes a fifth. If he plays half the games as his team goes to the conference final, that's something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's found you money. Want the, you want the spot. I mean, you know, you're you're not trying to win games. You're the the goal of trading someone like Tootin right now is like, all right, it'd be nice to get a sixth or something like that. But who cares? You know, you want to be able to bring up somebody from um, San Antonio and, and get a look and, and get a head start on next year. And that's not going to happen now either. According to Dario Sakic says they talked to teams about UFAs, but other teams chose not to move on them. Yeah. I just I I seriously question his salesmanship. His salesmanship and his stewardship and everything else at this point. Where did the Avalanche go from here? I don't know. I mean, I don't I just don't have a lot of confidence that the guy that built the bad team <laughs> now has to dismantle it. And it doesn't seem like there's much interest in dismantling it. So, and you know, and and like I said last night, I I don't like, I, I'm not like I'm I'm not as blown away angry that expiring UFAs weren't moved as some other people will be because they're players with not a lot of value and they're going away anyway. I'm <laughs> I'm not as worried about some of those. Um, 
but as far as I'm concerned, the sack should still be on the table. Because we're mm. in this mess for a reason. We didn't just find mm-hmm. ourselves in it. You can't blame Wall for it. Like everyone no. likes to... I, I wrote a paragraph that I ended up deleting because I wrote too much, but uh, the people have continued to tend to overstate, uh, in my opinion, the influence Patrick Wall had on the front office. And obviously we don't know what his role was, but Joe Sackick has to be given at least half of the culpability, if not more. So why is it all on Wall and none of it on Joe? I think we increasingly have to place more blame on Sackick as we see some of these moves play out. I mean, I think it was kind of an easy scapegoat to put the emotional guy who had really specific roster demands. <laughs> you know, it was easy to blame Brad Stewart signings and Jerome McGinley signings on him, you know, because he wanted to win and he wanted big players and wanted very specific things. But I, I don't know what you do right now because I, I can't believe Sackett got no futures out of this deadline. Zero. Yeah. I, I, I really, I've always thought that Patrick's influence on the roster moves was really overstated. Um, you know, I, I think, I think his influence on the roster really tailed off about a year and a half ago. I, I think, not this last summer, but the summer before that, when Chris McFarlane came on and really started getting involved, I think that's when Sackick started really doing his own thing and telling Patrick, like, this is this is kind of the way we're going to do it, and you know, you've just got to adjust. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I don't think Patrick wanted Bigra and, and Zadorov up last year. Um, you know, I, I I I just honestly think that. Um, what Sackick was trying to do put him at odds with Patrick, and that's why he left. I don't think it was that, you know, Patrick made a bad team and then couldn't deal with it. I think Sackick was forcing him to deal with things that he didn't want to anymore, and it, it was something that was an action already in progress. So this this team is a lot more Sackick's than was, if you ask me. And so, it ain't looking good. No, and so Sackick's inability to fix this problem should therefore be expected because he got us here. And so I, I, like I said, the, the guillotine has to be prepped at this point. It does. I I think he's got, I I don't think he has enough help. Um, I, I just, I, I don't see, you know, just Chris McFarlane, um, Craig Billington and Brad Smith is enough of a brain trust for one franchise. Um, hmm. You know, I, I just I I think you need more people, and I think you need some more experienced t- people. Um, I think McFarland is actually pretty smart, at least with contract negotiations and things like that. But I mean, it, it's not like Columbus was really that great of a franchise when he was there. So, well, they're <clears throat> they're getting that way using you know some of yeah. the pieces that he's acquired. Now that he's gone. Um, but, you know, I, I think he's probably a more of a positive than a negative. But regardless, you, you, you've got Billington, who's been terrible for more than a decade. And you've got Brad Smith that's been here ever since um, they moved from Quebec. And um, he's the he's the director of player personnel or whatever you want to call it. He's the reserve list head scout now. Um, <clears throat> but... He's basically in charge of finding 
professionals to acquire. And I think that's a huge weakness for this club. And, it, you know, maybe Joe is telling him, I want this kind of guy. And that's what Brad Smith is giving him. But it's, you know, it's more like Brad Smith and the pro scouting staff are coming up with acquisition targets and Joe's picking from those. And I just, I think that's bad. You know, I, I think they need to get an experienced GM from somewhere that's probably later in his career, doesn't need to be the GM, but is willing to be sort of a mentor and an overseer. And Promote Sackick to more of like John Elway type, where I'm a vice president of something or another, and I'm the face of this management operation rather than, you know, the guy behind it. Well, I mean, Elway gets a lot gets of credit. Out. The buck stops on his desk. Yeah. And, you know, maybe, maybe you make McFarland the GM, but you still you need another layer in there. Um, I mean, and, you know, I mean, this, this is this is my saber to rattle on it, but I just I think you have to get rid of Billington. I think he's just done nothing but harm to the organization for 14 years. Now, I almost I have no contention with a lot of the young players that they've been able to acquire. I've liked the last couple of drafts. I think Rantanen and Jost have been fantastic first round draft picks as opposed to what was happening before. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think you know this regime reserves any responsibility or blame for at least uh, amateur acquisitions? Um, I mean, I, I don't think that's really part of what Billington does. Billington takes over once they've been drafted. I don't think he really does a lot of um, targeting of amateurs beforehand. Yeah, and the problem yeah. remains Colorado has drafted and developed one defenseman since 2009, and that's Tyson Berry. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah. I think they have a serious development problem in the, in the organization. I mean, I think, you know, one of the bad side effects from not being able to get rid of anybody today is they're not developing the younger players in a season that absolutely does not matter. I mean, this is the perfect season to just shed everybody and – you know, if you're going to lose, may as well lose with your AHL guys. Yes. And see who's worth keeping around or who's close or what the, the guys that are close need to work on and, and get them some minutes against NHL guys and, and really get an idea of, you know, how your development system's working and, and, you know, what really needs to change down there. It is essential, especially in this last 20 game stretch here. And, they have no excuse not to. We need to see JT Comfer. Thank you. Uh, but we also need to see AJ Greer. Uh, I still want to see a guy like Kiss, Chris Begra, who should still be a part of the future of this defense. Yeah. I, you know, I, I want to see Duncan Siemens. You know, they're, <laughs> they're going to move on from him this, um, this summer, which they very well might. Mm-hmm. You know, at least give him two games. That's a guy I'm surprised didn't get traded to. And, Probably more of an honorable mention just because he's probably not on a lot of radars, but that's the exact type of guy that you see traded a lot of deadlines. You know, a former first round pick that's got, you know, some baseline ability that, you know, might get a look on a seventh or eighth defenseman spot or, you know, on another AHL team for a playoff run. Yeah, I see yeah. him as a really good parallel to Cameron Gauntz, who was swapped for Thomas Vinsure when both were impending RFA, or, or at least he was an RFA. I don't know if Vinsor was or not. Yeah, they if, both were. If he was, Vinsor was qualified. But uh, I, I was kind of expecting to see that that same kind of swap come out for Siemens today as well, and no. Nope. Well, I, one thing about it is Duncan is, 
I mean, he's he's been the sort of de facto captain down there. Now that Whitney's gone, he, he might even become captain if they elect another one this year. But I mean, he's he's a big part of the leadership in San Antonio, and he may be fine <clears throat> with being your depth defenseman. Maybe you know they've they've discussed it like you know this is the reality of the situation. We don't think you know that you're going to be a full time NHLer, and he might be fine with that. He might be fine with just being the the captain of the the rampage. He maybe gets you know five games every other season or something like that in the <laughs> NHL. Um, but who knows? So do you- See, this is a sign they probably end up tendering him a contract this offseason. Yeah, I think so. Why not? Sure. I mean, do you, do you feel any more or less strongly about that today than you did yesterday? No, I mean, he's got value. I, I would much rather keep Duncan as someone who's been part of the organization for four years than try to get, you know, another Ryan Stanton or something like that. You know, <laughs> I, I would prefer to keep him and, and Sam Henley as leadership for the AHL team than bringing in more um, UFA vets. Mm-hmm. You know, even though I don't think either guy are going to be full-time NHLers anytime soon or ever. <coughs> but I would, I would much rather see sort of continuous leadership like that. I, I think having guys like Duncan and, and Sam Henley sort of being there all the time and, and you know, helping the, the turnover fit in better with the team every year. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you see that a lot with the good teams. They have guys that have been in the organization for a long time. And, you know, they, they don't get shots with the NHL club all that much. But they really make the AHL team better and more successful. And they make the prospects better and more successful. I don't have anything to add to that. <laughs> nope. That's an interesting suck. perspective. I dig it. It's just frustrating from where I sit as someone who doesn't have a whole lot of access to San Antonio um, or to obviously what decisions the team's making and why. It's, it's frustrating that I don't know and will probably never know whether Siemens <laughs> just isn't an NHL quality player or if the team have forgotten he's on the roster. <laughs> Well, it's just they they don't call people up. They have not called someone up for non-injury reasons until today for with JT Comfort. And even that, they, <laughs> right. they had a, a roster spot open up, so that it's not it's not an injury replacement, but it is a roster spot replacement. Yeah, and, yeah. and what's even dumber, they they haven't put Z on injured reserve yet. They could have two spots right now if they wanted them. They, where's Varley at? Is he's not on injured reserve still? He's on long. T- he's on injured reserve. Okay. Yeah, but his spot is basically, you know, Smitty's. Right. So, but I didn't know they didn't have Z. They they declare Z out for the season and don't put him on injured reserve. Yeah, he's been he's he's a he's been a scratch instead of on injured reserve. That's. Uh, there's not words for that. What are yeah, you doing? I, I wrote a whole article on it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll cite you, Earl. I mean, you put a tweet out earlier today or yesterday that 59 players have been called up by NHL teams last week. And he has yeah. hadn't done so in, what, 20 games, you said? In 20 days, yeah. Their last call-up was when they swapped Martin and uh, and Smitty. Yeah. I mean, and, these are and the last time swaps. they called a position player up was December 2nd when they called Rocco up. Played him for two <laughs> shifts and sent him back down. 
Yeah. So, and I'm trying to go back in my mind. I don't think the Avs have ever made an, a non-injury call-up to the AHL. That I mean, it, it's since you know for the last ten years, let's say. Oh, I mean, gosh. I can't remember one. <laughs> um. Hmm. Now, yes, you do want to try to slow play your some of your you know younger players who may not be ready for the NHL. We saw Rantanen get a full season in the AHL. I, I don't think it's going to hurt for Comfort and Greer, Greer to see most of a full season in the AHL. I mean, I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah. But don't you have other tweeners who could fill in a little bit? <laughs> like Well, for the league's worst team? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, for a team that's been as bad as the Avalanche have over the last, you know, since, let, let's just go back to the 2008. Um for a team that's made the playoffs twice since then, <clears throat> and they don't bring guys up ever just to get them experience or for any reason other than just to fill in when someone gets hurt. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Even Miko Rantanen, who was an all-star in the AHL his first year, and you know, I guess he won co-rookie of the year. Uh, even he was an injury call-up towards yep. the end of the year, was he not? Yep, and and when Beeger and Z came up, they were injury call-ups at the time. They they kept Beeger and they they put Z back down when when um, I think it was EJ came back. So it almost seems like the Avalanche have a reticence to get rid of NHL players or waive them. I mean, we saw him wave at John Mitchell, but he still stuck around. <laughs> they, they don't make allowance at the start of the year to ha- to be able to do that. I mean, the, the greatest thing about having guys on ELCs is you can just shuttle them back and forth between the AHL and the NHL. Mm-hmm. Don't have to worry about waivers. They don't cost anything in the NHL. So, I mean, the best way to take advantage of guys in their second and third years on their ELCs <clears throat> is to is to bring them up for five games, then swap them out for another guy, and then, you know, you keep doing that. And by the time they, they reach the end of their ELCs, they've got, you know, like 20, 30 games in the NHL maybe. And you know what you've got. But with the Avs, they seem to be like, all right, whoever doesn't make it out of training camp sucks. They go down the AHL and maybe they make it next year. And that's just it. They just they, they don't bring guys up unless they absolutely have to. And they, you know, they don't really give them a chance in season to win jobs at the NHL level. So where does the blame for their... Uh refusal to use a tool that most other teams use lie like is that Sackick and Sackick alone is that where your ire for Billington comes in that's I mean I I think a lot of it's Craig Billington I think you know I think just a lot of the old school people that are in the Avs organization they're just like if someone gets hurt we got to find someone on waivers or maybe make a trade and they just you know they don't use it as a resource you know, I think that that's why I, I really like to see someone who's got some development experience and some GM experience come in and just sort of, you know, re-educate people on on <coughs> exactly what you can do to improve your team on a short-term basis in season. Yeah, I've been a little bit skeptical, I guess, maybe at most about much of the season about bringing up the young guys. Sure, get them some development time. AHL is important, whatnot, but. I thought that would come to a precipice today where we finally opened up three or four roster spots and gave those guys this opportunity. The only reason I could possibly understand the Avalanche keeping 
around a lot of the guys that we've been talking about is because, you know, for this moment, <laughs> I mean, I just, uh, and now that it hasn't happened, I, I, I don't understand any of it. I'm at a loss. Yeah. I mean, this is, in this season more than any is the season that you would have wanted to bring up guys and get them a little taste of the NHL. Meaningless <laughs> games. Yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, it's like a year long preseason. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got absolutely nothing to lose in any game. No, nothing matters as far as scores. I mean, people can screw up all they want and they do every night. And you so want them have... to. Go, go <coughs> fuck up and find out what you can and can't do in the NHL. Exactly. Go make mistakes. Instead of having Francois Beauchemin turn the puck over or tip goals in every night, I mean, you could have Sergei Boykov doing that. (laughs) Or you could have, instead of Fedor Tutin sliding into, (laughs) uh, (laughs) sliding out of the frame or into the frame, rather, trying to take out a guy instead of playing defense, let Chris Bigrod do that. Yeah. Or Anton Lindholm. I mean, you know, or Duncan Siemens. I mean, you've got plenty of guys down there that. I mean, just looking at the way that Jelena plays now that he's down in the AHL, I mean, I can use that as a bellwether and sort of measure the rest of the guys that are in the AHL, you know, versus him there and sort of see where that would stack up against guys that are already in the NHL. All four plus, of those guys are better than Jelena. Yeah, plus, I, I think it'd be a good business decision, too, because you're showing your fan base the future. I'm like, hey, this is yeah. still a reason to buy a ticket. <laughs> I know. It's still a reason to flip on the television and generate ad revenue. And they're all cool guys, too. I mean, it's like, I mean, nothing's better than a Sergey Boykov interview, except for maybe a Sam Henley interview. But, I mean, <laughs> Boykov is very charismatic, charismatic, got a great smile. You know, Lindholm's really cool. He's really thoughtful. Like, when you see him interviewed, you know, he, he comes across as very intelligent and smart and. You know, I mean, they're just, you know, they're good guys. They would be great to market. Yeah, one day, soon, <laughs> if we're lucky. <laughs> I, I do think you see anybody else getting waved. You know, somebody like a John Mitchell getting waved just to bring up a Greer. How long ago was John Mitchell waved? I mean, More than a month, right? I, I mean, it I, feels I, like it, but has it been? I mean, it's been a long-ass month. They're not going to put John Mitchell in the AHL. Why not? I, because I mean, they you can don't just do that. <laughs> wave him and release him. <laughs> so let's. This is a kind of the second half of the what happens now. Now that we can move away from you know what happens now to the front office, I think most of us are in agreement that big changes are needed. And if and and so now it becomes how urgent is that? What do they need to do now? What what is unacceptable for them to do now with the rest of this season? And I think what's unacceptable is doing nothing, is letting letting John Mitchell, Francois Beauchemin continue to sit there on your roster and do things. I mean, I just I wish I saw something from management, you know, that they didn't think it was a great idea to play Beauchemin every night. Right. Um, and and yeah. Beauchemin will continue to be on the roster till the end of the year. That goes without saying. I would like to see him start being scratched instead of played and then bought out come June. Well, this is what I was going to say. We've started to see some, you know, chinks in the armor. Uh, Carl Soderberg has been a healthy scratch for the last two games, and you know, Carl Soderberg doesn't miss games, so it I ain't. I think we're l- trying to get rid of Grigo. I, th- I think it was between him and Grigo, and they just want they wanted to they had some interest in Grigo. Yeah, ain't nobody trading for Carl. 
Yeah. No one touches that contract. But, you know, uh, uh, that could be a thing. Maybe they're also showing willingness to finally, this late in the season, put veterans on the bench. I mean, that would be really nice. I mean, they, they have the space. If they put Zeon IR today, they could call two guys instead of just Comfer. Um, you know, I mean, I'd love to see, you know, they've got they've got four moves they can make right. from now to the end. They, they should have started this earlier. Yeah. Now, maybe Comfort isn't one of those four moves. I don't think so because it wasn't on the wire before three. But you know, if they if the, if just as as soon as they had traded away Iggy, they'd called him up, and he was before three. Then maybe that's not. I don't, I don't know. <clears throat> but you know, I'd like to see them try and fill out the roster with as many prospects as they can. They've got the cap space now. They don't need to save cap for any reason. Not going to have any bonuses out there. So, <laughs> <laughs> no bonuses. bonuses. No bonuses. <laughs> bonuses are for good performance. Yeah. Hey, what's the opposite of a bonus? You can get like a demerit. <laughs> a bone dust. <laughs> <laughs> there may be a few of those out there. So Yeah, I don't know. I, so, so, I mean, the yeah. Avalanche are confounding. I, I, I don't think that Sackick was able to put enough emphasis on some of this tier of player, you know, going up to the deadline because he was so focused on trying to get the world's most gigantic deal out of some of his top assets. I think some of this may have gotten overlooked. And also, I mean, if that's the case, then that just makes another case for bringing in, you know, another senior uh, management type. Right. You know, if he and, if he and McFarland can't handle, you know, trading away Fetter Tootin and John Mitchell and trying to get a good deal for Matt Duchesne at the same time, then, you know, get some more people. I mean, look how many people Toronto has in their front office. And I, I think they have way too many. But there's a happy medium there. I mean, there's, there's a lot of ground between four and, a, and 106. You know, <laughs> if you have 10, you know, if you have like 10 upper management types, that's probably around what you need. Yeah, Tor- mm. Toronto is a, a franchise that's able to do things like that because they, I mean, their internal cap is infinite. They can yeah. spend cash on anything. And so, at this point, you're pointing the finger directly at management, which I wouldn't be the first time that Avs fans have pointed the finger directly at Cronky Sports and Entertainment, or fans of their other many franchises. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they, I, I bet the Marlies have a pretty similar management structure to the Avs. <laughs> and I'm not joking about that. Yeah. Yeah, it could be a thing. Uh, I mean, the Avalanche, I mean, Cronky Sports is so spread out in general. I mean, they own so many franchises, and, you know, technically, you know, Stan is only in charge of the Rams in Los Angeles, and, you know, Stan Jr.'s got the rest of it, but it's not the case. And you've got, you know, a power structure within the Pepsi Center that runs all of this that, you know, is running five organizations at the same time. And, you know, there isn't as much focus with the Avalanche as you're going to have with some organizations that, you know, only have one team. Yeah. And you don't necessarily want your ownership group to be hyper-focused on your team, but you'd like them to provide you with the management staff that you need and to make changes to management staff when needed. It's going to get real tough to continue supporting this ownership group's franchise if we make it into the summer and we still have the same names at the top making the same decisions. Yeah, I mean, it's just I—I I really question whether they're 
ability to identify problems is there. And that, I, that, that's the first step. I mean, just the way it looks now, it looks like they don't see anything wrong with things that really seem wrong. And, you know, I just, I think you really need to fix that first. Because if you can't identify problems, fixing them is, is next to impossible. Yep. Outside perspective is always enlightening as well. Illuminating, yeah. probably. But, you know, uh, bringing some dude. I mean, we brought in, you know, analytics guys last year. Who knows what their role is or how powerful they are. But I haven't heard a peep about it since. And but, Colorado have also not been doing shockingly dumb things anymore. If they hired Eric Parnas just to sit in the in the office and say, don't do that three times, then he's getting his money's worth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just, how about I, another one? <laughs> I just, I, you know, I'd, I'd really like to see them add to management and, you know, it, there, there's just got to be more. I mean, it, it, <clears throat> as much as I despise Billington, it's like, it's just him and then David Oliver being the director of player development and then you've got the four guys that are basically teachers slash coaches, yep. you know, foot. This is that crew. still the richest owner in the league. I mean, you're not having a lot of internal cap at the avalanche either. Yeah. Or, 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 just, or you shouldn't at least maybe it's more accurate than, cause we don't know yeah. if they do or not. True. I don't think they do. And I think if Joe went to Josh and said, look, we need a guy that does this and it, it's going to cost this. And they'll probably be like, do it. You know, yeah. but it's just it's just go it's just figuring out that you need that you know that extra layer. You know, they could probably hire three guys and really improve the organization a lot. And I think you know to get where they are now to the semblance of a real NHL franchise, they really need to do that. Well, well. Looking for more uh, more quotes from Joe Sackett today, and one of them is, I like my players. We want to get younger and faster, so that's what we're going to do. Yeah, but he said that three months ago, and he didn't. You know, how can I, <laughs> how am I, as a fan, going to believe that? You know, I want to get younger and faster, so we'll do that soon, but not now. Well, one way they're going to do that is by losing UFAs, so, I mean... That's going to happen organically. You did it incrementally again today. I mean, you swapped out two players that were big and slow for guys who were smaller, faster, and more tenacious. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not a lot. I mean, it's not a sweeping change, but that's a pretty good percentage of your offense, of your forward group right there. Those are two guys that were going to be in the top nine that weren't before. The problem was identified three months ago, and... Mm -hmm. This is what we've gotten. I mean, you've gotten rid of Cody McLeod, you've gotten rid of Marty, and you've gotten rid of Iggy. And you brought up Comfer, and you got Sven now. <clears throat> and you got Nieto and Barbario. So, yeah. you know, those are some nice changes, but it's just, you know. I, I, I think they're trying I, to lose. I mean, that's, that is the definition of a tank. <laughs> is you're keeping, yeah. you know, ill-fitting players who aren't waiting for you on longer than you should. This team is definitely aiming for a top three pick. Either they're aiming for it or, as Oral was just saying, they simply don't know how to properly utilize their, uh, their organization to its fullest between, between the levels. Because, I mean, you've got guys who are still with the Avalanche that definitely don't belong there. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just I don't think that you could call up Greer and Grimaldi and Bork and you know Siemens and Bigra. I don't think if you call all those guys up, they're going to go on like a tear and win 15 games or anything like that. Far from it. But, you know, they've won eight games in the last 90 days. I mean, you know, you can improve on that and still be terrible. They won, right. like, what, once in January? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, they've, they've, seriously, since December 1st, they've won eight games. Yeah, I mean, they're not catching the Coyotes, and the Coyotes are bad. The Coyotes could be getting a little worse here, actually, in a hurry. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, th- th- there is a worry there. I mean, we actually have the same number of regulation and overtime wins as they do. It is. Fortunately, they've won a lot more in shootouts. They have, like, five shootout wins. Yeah, they, they have not? five shootout wins. We have zero. And they they got a bunch of loser points that we don't have. Yeah. I mean, it's still a lottery, so you're you're not losing for a specific spot in the draft. Yeah. But, I, you know, anyone that worries about, oh, we're only guaranteed fourth, that's where we're going to pick. I'm like, you know, like put yourself in the Coyotes' place or whoever's third, Vancouver, if that's who it is, whatever. You know, pretend you're that team and say, like, damn, I wish we were the Avs right now, you know? We'd be, <laughs> you know, that's looking a lot better. Get ourselves a brand new Nolan Patrick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, it just, it, as much as it, it looks like it's a it's a shaft deal on us not getting the the top pick so easily, we're still in a way better spot than anyone else. Yep, I mean if we add an Owen Patrick to this roster, I feel better about it. Um, yeah, or Heischer. I mean if we get if we're in the top two, or if we end up getting one of those two guys because someone makes a, a flawed decision. <clears throat> You know, I I think that's fine. But I mean, even if we pick third or fourth, we're going to get someone good. Yep. Just hopefully somebody that's uh, good enough to play in the NHL in the next year. And because the team know, need them, they do. <laughs> the team need them badly. Um, so I mean, what what should come next is an influx of youth talent. Use your four call ups for once and play them and. Get get them some experience together at the NHL level, and if that continues not to happen, then yikes! What are you doing? You're, you're doing nothing, <laughs> and you should continue yeah. to do nothing by not being paid to do it. Well, it's yeah. just it, at the end of the year, you want to be able to look back and say, like, yeah, we were poor and we had the worst record, and you know, maybe in the top five of all time, but. You know, we did accomplish this, and we, we did accomplish that. And going into next season, we've got this, this, and this to look back on and say, all right, you know, this is this is optimistic going forward. Right. Just, I mean, Nikita Zadorov made mistakes so at the beginning of the season. We can look back on the season and, you know, say, hey, we were able to develop his NHL game to a level we could start him in the top four and not even thinking about it. Yeah. I and, could pencil him in that top pairing right now. And Miko Rantanen's development as well. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, those are the things that I want to see as a fan, and I want to see more of them, <laughs> even if it's uh, not quite at the same level. I want to see that from JT Comfer. I want to see it from AJ Greer. Oh, we're going to get a chance to see that with JT Comfer. So far, no word on anybody else, which is capital D discouraging. I'd like to see them all up. I'd like to. I would like to have seen them all up. You know, it, as much as they could have before the deadline. Did anyone remind Joe that Zdorov wasn't on IR yet and they could call someone else up? 
<laughs> Should have done it on the conference call. Right. You know hey, that Joe, she's out for know? the rest of the year, right? Well, they put them on IR and you could call someone else up. <laughs> just so you know. Like, hey, hey, Joe, Steph, my hockey. I was just curious. Um, why isn't Zadorov on long-term IR? Yeah. <laughs> you don't even have to say it very passive-aggressively. <laughs> just oh, not, bring it not up. Not even long-term IR. That, that's, a, that's a whole other world they can delve into. Because Varley's not on long-term IR either. They could. I don't think they could. They're probably not close enough to the cap to get any relief right now. Yeah. But if they do get a bunch of injuries again, you know, they can use that if they want. Mm-hmm. It's just spots that could go to somebody, and because they've got such a glut in the way, and they were unable to get rid of so much of it. Yeah. They're gonna have to bury them. Otherwise, they accomplish nothing. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know. All right, what, who would you bench for the rest of the year? And it, not unrealistic stuff like Bosch, because they're always going to play him no matter uh, what. Well, you've taken away the only the only <laughs> that make any sense, because those, those, you bench Boschman the rest of the year. You bench Mitchell the rest of the year. You bench, like, I mean, that's where it comes from. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, pick, you know, the three guys that would do the most benefit to the team by never playing. Um that's, I'm not even sure it's John Mitchell though. It's it's Boschman, it's Mitchell, it's Cole Beef. Um, yeah, Beef I, is bad. I would say Colborn if he didn't have another year on his deal, but we kind of need him to figure it the fuck out. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to get he and Carl playing well again. I, I think I, there must be some sort of handshake deal behind the scenes that Carl's just going to tank it this year and he's going to come back and they can turn him into a good player again. <laughs> <laughs> Something. That's probably what it is. I mean, it's it's in their benefit because if they want to expose him and not have him be attractive to Vegas, you know, the way he's playing right now is is perfect for that. It is. Either that or somebody's like slipping arsenic in his Gatorade. (laughs) Yeah. Because there are not a lot of rational explanations for his play. It is so far fallen off a cliff (laughs) from last year. I can't explain it. All I know is that we've been saying all year long that it makes no sense to to be playing Boschman this much if you're not trying to get him traded. The trade deadline has come and gone. If you don't scratch him every night, then at the very least cut his minutes in half. Right. I mean, I think if you're going to buy him out, and you'd really want to hope that that's the case, or even if you're trying to get him to waive his his no movement so you don't have to protect him, uh, you should bench him every time. You know, just say like, "Look, you know, you either waive your no movement, or we're going to bench you for the rest of the year." Yep. Why not? You got leverage. Use it. Yeah. Because I mean, if you go to him in June and say, "Hey, you know, it'd be really cool, man, if you like uh, waive your NMC," you know, what's he going to say? Like, no. I mean, yeah, I don't feel like it. I'm not going to do that. I, I, I put that in my contract. Why would I? <laughs> exactly. But, but no one ever doesn't waive their no-move clause, let's be real. I don't know. I mean, I don't know why he would. Does it, I mean, their alternative is to buy him out, and that's a great deal for him because then he gets to go to another team and, you know. Get double paid. Do it. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so your leverage is right now with getting that NMC waived. Yeah. If you think it's a problem. 
you know, maybe they've already agreed on how they're going to handle that. I don't know. And maybe they don't think it's a problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, we, don't, I, we have no yeah. idea if they think it's a problem because he continues to play. It'll be tough they take Zadora, but man, I mean, what are we going to do? This guy has a no-movement clause. <laughs> I just think he's such a classic buyout candidate for next year. Yep. Um, they have, have so much cap room that they won't be able to spend on anything useful or, or extend anybody's contracts. Uh, buy him out for, what, the next two seasons? Yeah. It's just... It's only, uh, what, it'd be a it'd be million and a half a year. That's nothing. They will not be able to utilize that money any other way. Yeah. Clear your roster spot. Ooh, big deal. Big, big trades. The Blackhawks trade Spencer Abbott and Sam Carrick to the Ducks for Kenton Hegelson and a seventh-round pick. Oh. Hold on to your hats. So speaking of uh, other deals around the league, um, Steve Eiserman has had an interesting day. Yeah, he's solved some problems, and he... I'm sure he identified him first. Well, let's go and find out what exactly that problem was. I'm on CapFriendly.com. I'm going to load up the Pittsburgh Penguins to see if this has already been updated. Um, they update really quick. <laughs> and it looks like Mark Strait is there. Okay. Hmm. So let's go to the Philadelphia Flyers. You'll notice neither of these teams have anything to do with Tampa right now. Oh, um, but they do. The Philadelphia Flyers have a nice little, uh, nice little Valtteri Filppula on their roster for five million this year and five million next year. How did that happen? That's a big ass contract for them to take on. <laughs> well, meet Steve Eiserman, who is occasionally trading away Brian Boyle and occasionally a fucking wizard. Yeah. Yeah, I mean we I mean we were all kind of saying like oh he's an idiot. Look at this cap situation he's got himself into this summer. Well, he's he just got out of it. Yeah. <laughs> so let's uh, and he, he's how. got a bunch of contracts to get done. So, I mean, it, but now it's it's more realistic. So, Tampa Bay shipped Valtteri Filppula to the Flyers or in exchange for Mark Street. Mark Strite, like in exchange for Mark. And uh Along with Philpola, they just send. Like Spanish, yeah, along with Philpola, they send a 2017 fourth and a conditional 2017 seventh. I don't know what the condition is. There's been too many of these to keep up with today. So you get rid of Philpola's contract and you take on another aging def- defenseman and you lose some picks in the process. Uh, you, you get out from under the deal. It's not great, but you're out from under the deal. Well, oh, and, oh. and Street was a year year less too, so that. You know, that's what the picks were for. Fast forward about 15 minutes. Pittsburgh acquires Mark Street from the Tampa Bay Lightning in exchange for a 2018 fourth-round pick. Uh, wizardry. <laughs> so Either that or pictures, man. Photographs. Yeah. <laughs> so let's let's recap. In exchange for the contract of Valtteri Filippola, the Tampa Bay Lightning also gave up a conditional 2017 seventh and <coughs> shifted their 2017 fourth to a 2018 fourth that originally belonged to Pittsburgh. They got out from under a god awful deal for basically nothing. The key here was these guys were tradable, which apparently I, our guys are not. 
Um, and, and that's a key. If you're going to sign someone to a bad contract, make sure you can trade them. <laughs> or don't let them become a problem before you think about trading them. Mm-hmm. Or make sure the image or perception of your team around the league isn't so poor that, you know, casts a pall over the useful players that you have on your roster. I mean, how much do you think that plays into it? How much do you think the abs being god awful really plays into it? I mean, I, I mean, these people are knowledgeable hockey people that have been in the business for a long time. They know, you know, teams that are tanking teams that are terrible. You're going to have good players on bad teams that don't show up as well on the stat sheet. Um, I mean, you've got professional scouts who should be able to isolate the play of individual players. Yeah. I mean, but I still think it's got to be a factor when you watch a team that can't even break out. <laughs> yeah. You know, how good are you supposed to be able to evaluate a center, you know, when the defense can't get the puck to him? Well, that and that, that comes right back to, to not trading Tootin because it's like you watch Tootin on any given night. There's certain things he, he obviously struggles with, like penalties and not being that great in the defensive zone, but he's fantastic in the neutral zone. And he does other things quite well. I mean, it's like he, he, if you were scouting him and just isoing on, on him throughout a game, you're like, all right, there, there are things that this dude does well. He's cheap, and we could use that. So why is he still here? He's on the Colorado Avalanche. So that's just a look around some other things that happen around the league, um, apart from the obvious running joke about the now enormous Montreal Canadiens. So, anyway, that's uh, that's about a D minus on the trade deadline for me. Um, it it's almost an auto F because you get zero seventeen NHL draft picks. Um, but on the flip side, the seventeen draft is being roundly panned already, and uh, the. Martinson for Andrew Ghetto swap is another incremental incremental move in the right direction. So they incre- incrementally did not utterly fail. They just mostly yeah. failed. I mean, I think, you know, give give us a couple of weeks. We'll probably find some silver linings in some of this. But, it, you know, I, I really think not getting any picks of any type, whether it's this year or next year. No guaranteed um, picks. They, they may get no one No guaranteed picks. I, Conditional I, fourth. I think that's about a zero point zero zero one percent chance that's ever going to happen. But um, you know, I, I I just I I think that they they really needed to start rebuilding the foundation, and you know they 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 need to accelerate where they're getting their talent from. Um, you know, it's like if you just have six or seven picks in every draft, you're, you you can keep up with the league, but you know, you're not going to be able to gain on them. And I, that's that's right. where I see the problem. Every other team has those six and seven picks, too. Yeah. So you've got to have more or just luck into something better. You know, you, you've got to have your, you know, your late round knockout surprises. Right. Well, I mean, one thing I'm glad that didn't happen today was getting rid of a player like Matthew Shane for the sake of getting rid of a player like Matthew Shane and... I'm glad that wasn't made in a hasty way. Uh, I wish it could have worked out where the Avalanche got a bunch of surplus trade value, but it didn't. And if that could happen this summer, then 
today's not so disappointing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It just Duchesne seems so ready to be traded. I, it just might be a letdown for him if 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 he's not. But well, who knows? I mean, he hasn't scored in eighteen games. Maybe he just bounces right back up and is, there, is the same old cheering Matt and goes on a tear for the rest of the season. Yeah, maybe at the end of the day, that still isn't the end of the chapter for Matt Duchesne. I mean, his his deal has always been, in my eyes, more likely at the at the draft because that's a softer part of the year for teams to try to figure out their cap situation around a Matt Duchesne deal. You don't yeah, just... They tried to trade him last summer, and they didn't. Did they? Yeah, he's been on the market for like a year and I, a half. I know he's been rumored to be on the market, but that doesn't mean that like they're really trying hard to make a move happen. I mean, I'm sure that they've been listening for a year and a half. I'm sure there's been interest for a year and a half. <clears throat> to me, there's just like not all that many teams that could have put that sort of package together that would have made it worthwhile. Definitely I think we that. identified, you know, a few teams like Montreal, Boston, and Carolina that could have done it. There are a lot of teams that are throwing their name out there as hard as they possibly could, like the Islanders, where I just did not see the fit. Yeah, yeah but I mean, look, and, look at what look at what Hansel got. Hmm. You know? Yeah, I mean, but that's a third line player. <laughs> yeah, and also and that's a, that, that's just a boneheaded deal. Like that's he, so what bad. Like, what is Minnesota doing? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he got three picks, and you know, yeah, it's like a really late round first and a couple of seconds. Um. You know, but you got picks. <laughs> you got things. Yes, you have things. And, you know, if <clears throat> if Joe Sackett keeps trying to market Duchesne and he keeps getting the same feedback and doesn't do it, I mean, you're, you're kind of destroying Duchesne's confidence in Sackett and being with the team long term. And that doesn't make the team or Duchesne better. Um. You know, it's like you gotta you gotta shit or get off the pot at some point. Yeah, I mean, as a fan of a big fan of Matthew Shane, I, I like the opportunity that's presented itself, and that maybe he can really come out and impress during these twenty games, and they're kind of go like, hey, maybe this is the right direction after all. Maybe we just need to wait a year for some of these young players to, you know, show up and start supporting our veterans. I, I'd still love to see Matt Shane succeed with his team. And uh, well, I mean, do you part think of me is relieved. Succeed without what Joe's trying to get for him. And do you think? I mean, he, we we haven't even touched on the fact is that our defense still looks exactly the same next year now. <laughs> so, uh, and that's not yeah. good. It doesn't look exactly the same. Tootin walks, Bushman gets gets spot out. Yeah, but we're still looking at Mark Barbario as in our top four. Mm-hmm. You know, I like Barbario, but, you know, he's, he's really not good. You know, the, there's some things that he does very well. I mean, I thought he and EJ looked really well, look, looked really good last night at times. But it's just, you're, you're like, boy, if we could get a Barbario that was, you know, like 15, 20% better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be huge. Yeah. Uh, I mean, getting Zadorov back, you know, um, uh, that definitely changes the entire complexion of your defense. Yeah, but you're still you, you've got EJ and Z and Barry and Barbario, and that's you know, and and that's that's your core. And maybe you've got Patty on the on the fifth or sixth spot. 
you know, the, you just don't have anything behind that. And if, if EJ gets injured again, like he's going to, or, you know, anything else happens to Barry or Z, you know, you're just, you're looking at another season like this. I think pick yeah. up a couple of replacement level guys for the back end. If they don't think Siemens and Breger are ready to give it a shot. And then, I mean, I, I really don't think that apart from Boschman, the defense has been a humongous problem this year, apart from the lack of depth, but lack of depth is a problem organization wide. I mean, it's there's just no scoring. <laughs> there's not, yeah. and there's and the shots that are coming in, even when they suck, aren't getting stopped. I forget who posted the stat, but the Avalanche have scored one or fewer goals twenty four times this season. Hi, that was me. Was it? <laughs> yeah, they have they've scored one or fewer goals twenty four times, and they have won seventeen games. <laughs> You're you're you're, lo- you're winning games less often than you're scoring more than one goal. <laughs> they've also they've let in four four or more goals twenty seven times and won one of those. Yeah, that's not gonna you're you're not gonna win a whole lot of games doing that. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, so say Earl's right in that you know. Th- it doesn't necessarily indicate an offensive deficiency. I mean, it could also indicate a defensive deficiency because they're not getting the puck. So, I mean, the problems are just all over. Hey, and hey, hey, we got a thing. What? Do we? Uh, the Toronto Marlies acquire Mike Sislo from San Antonio on a loan and trades Colin Smith to the Rampage. Welcome back, Colin Smith. <laughs> we got <laughs> Colin Smith back? Yeah. Oh, my God. Shoot. Is, is that a loan or a trade? That, oh, oh, I mean, this is from the Toronto Marlies account, and it says that they acquire Sislo on loan and trade Colin Smith. Huh. Earl, do you want us to wait a little bit while you go pop a beer? So I, Celebrate? I, I can't remember if Smitty was on an <laughs> AHL deal this year. I, th- I guess he must be if they traded him. Because yeah. Sislo is an NHL contract, so that would be a loan. And I think Smitty and Klish both signed AHL deals, if I remember correctly. Cap of Frindaliu. We're going to go to Toronto because there's no way that's updated yet. Well, the AHL deals won't be on Cap Friendly. Um, yeah, they will. They're, not, they're under non-roster players. Yeah, they're not. If, if, it's, if it's not an NHL contract, it won't be on there. Uh, yeah, Ben's guys like on there. Gus Young and Kent Simpson on our, on our deal. Okay. I, I follow. Uh, ben, yeah. ben Smith is on Cap Friendly. Yeah, he's been playing in the NHL. Yeah, Colin Smith. Is oh, I'm thinking Colin Smith. God, too many of those. That's crazy. I, that I I just can't even imagine what Smitty must be thinking now. <laughs> <laughs> Hope he didn't say anything bad on the way out the first yeah. time. <laughs> I'm sure <you> did. <laughs> Fuck you guys. Never speaking to you again. <laughs> Screw you guys. I'm going home. <laughs> Wow, that's great though. I mean, Sizzler was a total. He was he was our Iggy down there. I mean, his his one and only skill was taking. He's a right-handed shot, just like Iggy. He's, he's all he's good for is taking one timers from the top of the left circle, huh? On the well, power play, and he's not very good at it. <clears throat> and but he tries really hard. <laughs> Someone was saying that David Oliver sent him like a thousand passes for one-timers from the top of the circle during practice one day. Um, 
And he missed 900 of them. <laughs> With no goalie. Yeah. Now, he, he actually hits the net more than Jelena. Jelena hits the net maybe one out of every ten times he shoots at it. Yeah. Well, that's a funny deal. It's, that is funny. And I oh. guess that's probably going to end what the Avalanche are going to do today. And we have gone uh, – we're approaching an hour and a half here. So we should, we should probably work on wrapping things up. Fair enough. Uh, shout out to Miko Rantanen, who's been uh, continuing to play really well for the for the Avalanche, and hopefully he can continue to make that happen. I think Sven Andragetto is going to be just feeding him big time now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Miko Rantanen is up to 14 goals and 16 assists, so he is uh, ahead of Gabe Landeskog in terms of scoring in five more games. Yeah, um, he is six points behind Duchesne and eleven behind McKinnon, but he is ahead of McKinnon in goals. I'd love, I'd love to see him. I'd love to see him hit forty. Forty points. <clears throat> not, 40, not that it really goals. matters in the big scheme of things, but I think just saying, you know, like, hey, you know, forty points rookie year. You know, that, that's a nice thing to be able to to have on your resume. In today's NHL, that's a really, really nice threshold. It is. No, I mean, it, and he really gets lost in all the rookies this year. And, and, you know, there are a lot of really good rookies this year. Oh, my so God, there are. This is a crazy year. Um, but, you know, he, he's been sneaky good. You know, if he was on if he was on a team that was, you know, even top half of the NHL, I think he would have passed 45 already. And uh, Jeremy Smith got his third straight start last night. I guess Pickard's been out with some kind of neck tweak. Is that right? Yeah, AJ was saying that that, that might might have been that the Avs were looking for a trade with Pickard. Oh, he's he was a he was an unscheduled start on I think that was on Saturday, and it was Pickard was pulled out of like warmups or something with some kind of physical complaints. What I read, maybe I yeah. Didn't he get run into by somebody? Yeah, theoretically, he was run into in practice, but AJ was saying that, that he's fine and could have played, and they were holding him out because they were thinking about trading. Mm. That, boy, you <coughs> want to talk about trading low. Yeah, exactly. That would, have been a, that would have been an interesting deal to look back on in a couple of years. I know, and I, I'm a huge Pickard fan, so it's impossible for me to be objective about him, but I just I think <laughs> that would be a huge mistake. You know, I'd, I, I think what he's shown in the past two years – is more of what he is rather than what he's shown this year. Well, it didn't happen, so we don't have to bring it down. Um, yeah. Oh, who'd we lose? Uh, looks like Ryan's gone for now. Well, I'm sure he's <laughs> Poor Ryan. Yeah. Um, we need to wrap things up anyway because we're already at the, uh, what is that, about hour 25 mark? That's that's plenty of That's plenty of us running our heads. Uh, I think so. So join us next week as we watch the uh, trial by fire of JT Comfer on Thursday. Um, Colorado take on the Ottawa Senators. That's at 530 Mountain, and it is on altitude. Then on Saturday, they travel to Winnipeg and take on the Jets at 5 o'clock Mountain on altitude 2, the Ocho. We're back on Sunday at the Pepsi Center at 6 o'clock local start against the St. Louis Blues, which is scheduled as of now on NBC Sports Network, but we'll see if that stands or not.
And that's what's happening for the rest of this week. I don't um, see them winning any of those games. I think they win I, all three. I think JT Comfer puts a team on his back. Oh, shit, he came back. <laughs> <laughs> like Colin Smith, Ryan Murphy is back, everybody. The I am. Comfer and Andrew Ghetto Show. Catch it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got a good reason to watch now. Ran for Andrew Ghetto, the line of the future. And the new Matt Duchesne. The new Matt Duchesne. 900-pound gorilla off his back. Either that or he's so mopey he didn't get traded that he's just doesn't even want to play. Then he's just like, fucking scratch me, dude. Yeah. Just, just like that first goal last night. Eh. Turnover. Yeah. Sorry. Hope so, you guys <laughs> Road, Ottawa, Road, Winnipeg, home, St. Louis. I don't see any wins, Ryan, do you? Uh, St. Louis is in a bad place right now. Yeah. No, I'm um, serious. I think we could win all three of these. Yeah. Uh, frankly, I, I give the Avalanche a better chance than I probably would have last week. How about that? Okay. Yeah. Now that there's a little bit of roster shakeup, and the team is now – 21.2% faster without a Ginlan lineup. And remember, we beat Winnipeg recently. Yeah, we well, did that, beat Winnipeg. Uh, that was with Sidorov in the, in the roster and uh, do, just like going full beast mode. I kind of want to see Duchesne show Ottawa what they missed out on. Yeah. There's a good chance for that, too. They're too busy picking up Alex Burroughs. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully he doesn't they, bite anybody. What a scumbag. Um, so we're pretty evenly divided between six points and no points during the next week. <laughs> Give me four points. And uh, with varying degrees of seriousness, I'm, I'm really not sure how much sarcasm is going across the lines right now, but you can guarantee that there's none when we say that we're all um, extraordinarily disappointed in what your front office has offered for you this trade deadline. But... Um, keep an eye out looking forward. We'll see if more people like Comfer are added to the Avalanche. Uh, hopefully they will be. You can make four moves, and I want to see them make all four moves, and soon. Whatever whatever happens in this next week, and whoever does get called up, though, you know you can find out here. You can follow the podcast at SoundCloud on, on SoundCloud at SoundCloud.com slash MileHighHockeyPodcast at MixCloud.com slash MileHighHockeyPodcast. Or on iTunes, or on your favorite RSS catcher, or on the site, which is myihockey.com, and you can catch all the latest abs, news, and updates there as well. You can follow the site on Facebook at facebook.com slash milehighhockey, and you can follow the site on Twitter at milehighhockey. Um, I don't know if they have any other social media presence. I don't know what, what social media presence there would be. Maybe we need a milehighhockey Instagram. Oh, yeah. Just for, I do. Just, just to share everyone's picture of their uh, what they're eating during the game, because that's what Instagram is. Dinner, but keep your eye on JT Comfer this week, and we will see you on the side see what he does. You know, maybe maybe the better deals are happening earlier. This is a point I want to cross, but. Okay. Okay, well, I'll go ahead and hit the button then. I'll just yeah, nod my head started. as you go on. <laughs> yes, nodding your head will go very well on our audio show. <laughs> Verbal agreement may be better, but yeah. <laughs>